Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, we'll celebrate the birthdays of Gail Grubb, Benny Rubin, Ollie I. Scratholt, and although it's not his birthday, Frank Quinn gets his own segment for the first time. One of the first CDs I ever bought was Unreleased Edison Laterals, Volume 1, produced by Diamond Cut Productions. And my favorite track on that CD is Etiquette Blues by Bob Pierce. I've played it a number of times on the show, and you hear a reference to it at the end of every show. Etiquette Blues was written by Gail Grubb, and I'm happy to have recently found a lot more information about Gail Grubb, as well as some of his other compositions. So tonight he gets his very own segment for the first time. Last week, February 4th, marked the birth in Creston, Iowa, of Gail Vincent Grubb to Newton I. Grubb and Laura Jane Fawcett. I don't have any information on his upbringing, but in 1917 he was working as a brakeman with the CB&Q Railroad in McCook, Nebraska. CB&Q stands for Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy, but it's commonly referred to as the Burlington Route, the Burlington, or simply the Q. Gail Grubb attended the University of Nebraska, where he played basketball and baseball, was in the Glee Club, and a member of the Sigma Phi Epsilon fraternity. He was also the assistant editor of the student life section of the school's annual, The Corn Husker. In May of 1921, a scandal arose over the student joke pages of the annual, which had been censored by the university's official censor, Provost Dr. James T. Lees. The censored pages nonetheless made their way through the printing presses. Student Mary Hendry said it was a deplorable and disgusting problem. So much of a problem that the sororities of the university were busy gathering up as many of the annuals as possible to burn them in a bonfire on the tennis fields at 8.45, the evening of Thursday, May 26th. One, I don't know if the book burning actually took place. And two, I wonder if there are any copies of the annual online. In any case, Gail Grubb managed to graduate from the University of Nebraska in June of 1921. Shortly afterward, he sailed to England with the Southern Raga Jazz Orchestra, six U of N students with Grubb as director and pianist. While in school, they had played Omaha's Fontenelle Hotel, but in London they played the Hammersmith Palais, Rector's Café, and the Birmingham Palais, performing with a young Jack Payne. They also recorded three sessions for Edison Bell and toured France and several other countries. Grubb returned to the U.S. on December 19th and on New Year's Day 1922 married Emma C. Nielsen in Denison, Iowa. The couple went back to Europe until 1923 with Emma returning to the U.S. in July and Gail following in August. Back in the U.S., Gail played vaudeville in an act with Ben Dennis called The Music Masters before joining the staff of radio station KFAB in Lincoln, Nebraska in 1924. I love finding out the stories behind radio station call letters. KFAB was owned by the Nebraska Buick Auto Company, and the call sign meant keep following a Buick. In 1928, Grubb moved to Oklahoma City and portrayed the character of Gloomy Gus on radio station WKY, 
and within a few years he was the station's manager. Fun fact, WKY is where Walter Cronkite started his broadcasting career, first as a sportscaster, thanks to Gail Grubb. In 1948, Grubb was station manager of KGO San Francisco, whose call sign originally meant General Electric Oakland, since it began broadcasting from GE's Oakland Transformer Manufacturing Plant. In the 1950s, Grubb was vice president and managing director of radio station WJBK Detroit, its call sign meaning Jesus Be Kind. WJBK is now WLQV. Gail Grubb died January 16, 1964, in San Francisco, at which time he was a sales representative for store television broadcasting. He's buried at Cypress Lawn Memorial Park in Colma, California. Songs from the Grubb catalog include Coal Black Mammy, which I won't be playing, There Goes a Horse, Cryin' for Love, Who Killed Cock Robin, and these.
I just dropped in to say, how do, how do. <laughs> gonna sing first little old new tune for you. What are you gonna sing, Red? I don't think so. Is that the name of the song? I don't think so. What the Sam Hill song is you gonna sing, boy? I don't think so, Dumbbell. <laughs> There's a lonesome little gal for every boy, that's what they say. But every gal I try to get just goes the other way. I'm just about as welcome as the flies are in July, or a blizzard in September, or a cinder in your eye. Oh. Grapes may grow on apple trees, but I don't think so. Gals may wear holes above their knees, but I don't think so. Now there may be lime in a lima bean, there may be limbs on a limousine. A black gal may be blue or green, but I don't think so. A pound of coffee may be ground, but I don't think so. A puget may not make a sound, but I don't, don't think, think so. Cotton may grow in a cottonwood tree, it may be two at a quarter to three, and the gals all fall in love with me, but I don't think so. Reminds me a couple of the colored boys I heard her talking down in Chattanooga, Tennessee. One of them say, uh, Say, Henry, what are y'all doing now? I was a booze tester for a blind millionaire. <laughs> How come, boy, how much you all getting paid? Ten dollars per, per day? No, per week? No, per drink? No, sir, per what? Per half, buddy, per half. <laughs> Red bugs may get mighty blue, but I don't, don't think, think so. Cowslips may slide in a slew, but uh, I ain't sure. <laughs> well, a redhead gal may be tickled pink. A hot dog may be a missing link. A buttercup may spill a drink, but it isn't likely. <laughs> a pine nut may not pine at all, but I don't, don't think, think so. And a horse may say that's just a stall, but I don't think so. Well, a lolly may have a wonderful pop, and a frog may be just all full of hop. And the gals all say I make them stop, but I don't think so. <laughs> Same two colored boys are talking, one of them says, Say, Henry, what time is it? Ten to you. Ten to what? Ten to your own business. Say, <laughs> hey, what's the idea of calling my gal a silent bell? I kissed her the other evening, and she never told. <laughs> Hey, boy, tell me, why do a bald-headed Indian wear feathers in his head? I don't know, boy. Why do a bald-headed Indian wear feathers in his head? To keep his wig warm. <laughs> Daisies, they may never tell, but I don't quite believe. Billy goats may love the smell, but I don't, I ain't sure. What a judge may say, ain't it fine today? Of course, it may not decide to stay. Your scale may give itself away, but I don't exaggerate. I may get pie-eyed eating pie, but I don't think so, and eat the apple of my eye, but I don't, don't think, think so, if a big taste vile has a sweet little bowl, that's all there is, and there ain't no more, except the gals all think I'm pretty slow, but I don't think so,
We started off our tribute to Gail Grubb with the Southern Ragga Jazz Band and one of their sides recorded in London in 1922. That was Crooning from Edison Bell's The Winner label, number 3625. The handsome label design featured a drawing of a horse and jockey on a red background. The name of the label was changed in 1922 to just Winner with the drawing of the horse and jockey in gold. Next, we heard Wendell Hall, best known for his recording of It Ain't Gonna Rain No Mo. in this case, singing and accompanying himself on uke on I Don't Think So, with the music by Gail Grubb. That was recorded July 15, 1925, with Take Two of Four, issued on Victor 19792. We finished up with Blue Steel and his orchestra, with Kay Austin providing the vocal on Shoe and Flies from Victor 23014, recorded May 15, 1930, in the Memphis Auditorium, Memphis, Tennessee. Well, I can't end this Gail Grubb segment without playing a version of his most famous song, and one I haven't played before. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your very kind attention. Listen to these pointers that I mentioned. Always leave your spoon up in your coffee. Starting with your soup, first sound your A. Napkins are to catch the food that bounces off your knife. Tuck the napkin in so it will stay. Now always put both elbows on the table. Many other pointers I could mention. Always gesture with your fork. Friday means it's fish or pork. Thank you for your very kind attention.
Don't forget each pointer that I mention. Thank you for your very kind attention. Bill Hades Cubs with the vocal chorus by a J. Allen with Gail Grubb's Etiquette Blues, titled simply Etiquette on the label of Broadway 1205-B, recorded in Chicago in July 1928. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. Last week, February 2nd, marked the birth in 1899 in Boston, Massachusetts, of American comedian and actor Benny Rubin. His show business career began at age 14 as a tap dancer in Boston, even before he graduated from Chelsea High School. He worked in local theaters and on showboats before moving to New York and to burlesque as a dialect comedian in 1918. After a couple of years, he returned to vaudeville, where he was a headliner throughout the 1920s. In addition to his comic Jewish dialogue, he played the trombone and tap danced, and he played the Palace in 1927, 1930, and 1932. He appeared in more than 40 feature films and shorts, the first, Naughty Baby, in 1929, and the last, Wonton Tan, The Dog Who Saved Hollywood, in 1978. He was heard frequently on radio in the 1930s and 40s, including the Jack Benny program. Jack Benny once cast him as a Pullman porter, and Rubin could do a persuasive African-American dialect, but the producers thought he looked too Jewish, so the part went to Eddie Anderson, who soon developed his famous Rochester Van Jones character. Rubin starred in other television shows, including Stop Me If You've Heard This One Before, and his own Benny Rubin show, among many others. He was known as being difficult to work with and became bitter about show business to the point where he quit for a while and ran a dress shop on Hollywood Boulevard, managed a restaurant in Beverly Hills, and even became a stockbroker. But he eventually returned to films and television. He died at Cedars-Sinai Hospital in Los Angeles on July 15, 1986, and is interred at Hillside Memorial Park in Culver City. Here are three from Benny Rubin. Hello, you lovely people what's listening to this record. Say, I've got to tell you something. Just now, I was walking up the street, and as I was walking up the street, was a little boy was playing in the street, and his father came out of the store, and he says, Itzik, how many times did I told you not to play with matches in the street? If you want to play with matches, come in the store. Well, anyway, I forgot to tell you, I was on my way to see a game which is called football. This game, football, is played on a big field with thousands of seats for the crazy people what's coming there to see the game. And on both hands from the field, they're standing H's. Two great big H's. I'll tell you later what means the H's if I don't remember to forget. The field where they're playing on is belonging to real estate people. You can tell it belongs to real estate people because they have it cut up into lots with white lines. And, of course, every lot has got the price how much it costs. Ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty. And they're standing there a fellow with a white sweater and a whistle. They are calling him a referee. <laughs> Could you imagine one referee should give a decision and 80,000 people should sizzling, weeing, and raspberries? Well, anyway, the players are coming on the field. 22 of them. 22 big, fat, husky oxes. Their suits are needing pressing and they look like bombs. And people are telling me, this is Kaliji. Kaliji. <laughs> Say, if you have to go to college to learn how to dressing like a bomb... I'm sticking to night school. Well, anyway, it's got nothing to do with the game. The fellow with the whistle, he blows the whistle. One fella kicks the ball and the whole 22 players run. Where do they run? After the ball to catch it. One fella catches the ball. Another fella gives him a tackle. 
Not fishing, Seco. He gives them a hug with the feet. And, of course, with the hug comes a kiss. They kiss the nose and the ground. Then the whole 22 bums jump on you till you say eeny, meeny, miny, moe, and then they let you up. Then one fella takes away the ball. Let me see who, what's his name. Pardon me while I consummate. He's a nice fat, sl- a big, f- he's a nice fella. Oh, yes, the sentry. The sentry takes away the ball, he puts it on the ground, and he bends over the ball like a pretzel. He don't want nobody shall touch the ball. And on this side from the sentry is standing a half-down. Yes, a half-down. The other side from the half-down is a touchback. And behind the touchback is a drawback. And right in the middle from all these fellas is standing an auctioneer. The auctioneer says 22, 33, 45, 96. Somebody bids more and takes away the ball. And just because he is the highest bidder, the whole 22 bums jumps on him. Sounds crazy, don't you? Now, the two big H's, which I was telling you before, is like this. When the highest bidder gets the ball, he got to running to a H. Which one? I don't care and he don't care. Even lately, I saw a fellow was running backwards or did the wrong one. Well, when the highest bidder gets the ball, he got to running to a H. If he don't get catch by the feet before he's reaching the H, he's winning. What? I don't know, but he's winning. A broken head or something. The only thing that I know about this game football is that no Jewish boys play the game. And that is because the ball is made from pigskin. Thank you. <laughs> To whom it may concerning. The trouble with the people in the United States is this. They do not knowing how to take care of their health. For instance, people do not knowing the correct way to breeding. Not breeding animals, but breeding through the nostrils. Now, most people think the correct way to breeding is one, two, three, one, two, three. This is the wrong synagogue, uh, temple. The correct way to breeding is not one, two, three. It is two, three, four. To three forms. Now, the best uh, way to take advantage from these exercises is to follow my instructions. When you are standing up in your bed in the morning, the first thing you should do is take down your pajamas, uh, pull up your nightgown, whatever you have on, take it off. Walk over to the windy, open up the windy, and let shell come in the climate. So soon as it's coming in the climate, commence the breathing, quite slowly, then quickly. Now, the reason for this is like that. When you are breathing slowly, maybe you are missing some of the good fresh air which is coming in the room, so you reach out with a short breath, something like this, and you pick up what you left off on the first breath. Always remember, of course, to have the proper stance. Place your left foot horizontal, your right foot perpendicular, body erect, and your face on an angle of northeast, southwest, northeast, southwest, west, east, north, south, facing B, B, C. While you are standing in this capacity, commence to breathing, but be sure to make your arms go in flapping style, like a boy is making, up and down with the arms, up and down with the arms, and breathing at the same time. Now, following me. Now, if you are doing exactly as I am telling you, you will notice that downstairs your frying pan is gone. When your dying frame has gone, it is going upstairs, filling out your bosom. Now, when your dying frame is going upstairs to your bosom, you will notice that your lungs are all filled with oxygen or any other kind of gin you can catch. While you are doing this, then you exhaling, you see, like this, you blow out. When you exhale, you will notice that inside is saying all the good fresh air and with the exhaling is coming out all the disease, foul air, germs and overcharging ticket speculators. Now there's another terrible disease going around which is called chewing gum. I will show you how to curing yourself. You get a nice piece of warm tar. You put it in your mouth and you squeeze down your teeth 
till the tar gets hard like a piece of stone. Then you get a small hammer and you knock yourself in the jaw. When you knock yourself in the jaw with a hammer, you will notice the towel coming out. <laughs> and with the towel coming out your teeth, curing you from chewing gum, of course. Another terrible sickness going around is Padeshvis. Padeshvis is such a kind of thing which is causing your arches to falling down flat to the ground, making you to having bad puppies. If you got bad puppies, you got Padeshvis. If you got Padeshvis, you got flat feet. And if you got flat feet, there's only one thing can become of you, and that is you must become a policeman. This is my lesson on health. <laughs> Life will be sweet if you keep grinning. You'll be winning every inning. From January to December, here's one thing you always should remember. When the world is upside down and everybody wears a frown, <laughs> laugh the blues away when your best girl says you're through and the ring installments do. <laughs> Laugh the blues away All of life's great troubles are just bubbles in your head Faith made you a sucker and you'll be a long time dead When your wedded life begins and your wife starts off with twins Go. <laughs> Laugh the blues away If you want the moon to shining and the sun don't coming down Throw away your frowning and laugh, smile clown Life is full of sadness and of gladness just as easy, so putting on a camphor bag and you will never sneezing. What's the use of crying if you think you're going to dying? Crying wouldn't help you any time. So wipe away the sneery, commence the feeling cheery, because the lobster is the wise guy any minute. There is no use of talking if you begin to squawking. Every people, they will giving you the air. So if you're feeling tough, try and make a bluff that you never bought a stock in your life. Don't be making any cracks about the income tax. Pay it and be glad it isn't more. It'll only make you grieve, so laughing up your sleeve. And a plate of soup is good, hot or cold. The moral from this song wouldn't take very long for me to telling you just what and why. So laughing while you're living and living while you're laughing, you'll be a long time dead if you live. <laughs> You've laughed yourself to death when St. Peter at the gate says you're just ten minutes late. <laughs> Go and shovel coal. Thank you. There you have three monologues from Benny Rubin. 
with the big game coming up, we started with Benny explaining all about feetball on Brunswick 4606, recorded in Los Angeles on September 27, 1929, also issued in Australia. Next, some advice about healthy living on Health Talk from the same session, but issued on Brunswick 4888. The original matrix numbers on those two records indicate they were originally intended as private or test recordings, but they were later renumbered. We finished up with the Laugh Song, co-written with Val Burton and Will Jason, this one with orchestra recorded April 21, 1930, with Take B, issued on Brunswick 4798, also issued Down Under. There was a lot of news last month about Jonathan, who reached a milestone and earned a Guinness World Record title by celebrating his 190th birthday. Jonathan lives in St. Helena, a British overseas territory, on the grounds of Plantation House, the official residence of the governor. Oh, I forgot to mention that Jonathan is a Seychelles giant tortoise. He was a gift to Governor Sir William Gray Wilson in 1882, and was at least 50 years old at the time. He's enjoyed plodding around the grounds ever since, sunbathing, lounging in the shade, or if it's cold, burrowing into mulch. Being 190, he's now blind from cataracts and has no sense of smell, so is hand-fed a diet of cabbage, cucumber, carrot, lettuce, and seasonal fruits. His hearing, however, is still excellent, as is his libido as he's seen frequently mating with his companion, Emma, and sometimes his other companion, Fred. What? Yeah, that's right, get over it. I couldn't find any vintage recordings specifically about tortoises, but here with happy birthday wishes to Jonathan are a couple about turtles. Thank you. 
It's a little outside our general 20s and 30s boundaries, but there from May 28, 1945, you have the Slam Stewart Quintet, with Slam Stewart on singing bass and Red Norvo on vibraharp, with The Voice of the Turtle, written by Leonard Feather. That's from a 78 on the Continental label, number 10001. The Continental Record Company was formed by Don Gabor in 1942. Don Gabor was born in Hungary in 1912, where he was a radio and mechanical engineer. He came to the U.S. in 1938 to escape the war and landed a job as a shipping clerk at RCA Victor, making $12 a week, but within two years he was head of Victor's foreign records department. In 1950, Gabor founded Remington Records, producing both 78s and LPs, primarily of material recorded in Europe, and he was a major force in the record business until the 1960s. We started this Testudinese set with Mickey Mouse and the Turtle. That was Williams' washboard band. No, not Clarence Williams, but Harry Williams on washboard, one of eight issued sides from a September 12, 1933 Victor session. Mickey Mouse and the Turtle was written by Ted Tinsley, who played guitar in the band. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. Last week, you heard Frank Quinn singing about a bowl of coffee. I don't have much more information about him this week than I told you last week. Frank Quinn was born on a small farm in County Langford, Ireland in 1893, emigrated to the U.S. in 1898, became a naturalized citizen, and worked as a New York City policeman. In his spare time, he played traditional Irish tunes on the fiddle and accordion and sang, and in 1921 made the first of nearly 200 sides, the last in 1936, some credited to patrolman Frank Quinn. It wasn't all singing and playing, however, and Officer Quinn didn't let entertaining get in the way of his duty. On Friday, October 28, 1921, he arrested Frank Carker of Cobleskill on a charge of driving while intoxicated. Mr. Carker was fined $100, quite the sum in 1921. A few years later, on August 24, 1924, Quinn was assigned to the Prospect Park Police Station in Brooklyn and was summoned by a passerby who had heard a gunshot. Near the Croquet House, Officer Quinn found Albert Britzell, a 52-year-old chiropractor who had shot and killed himself depressed over failing hearing. He had apparently contemplated the act for some time. A couple of days before, he went to the Waldorf Astoria Hotel and scrawled out his will on hotel stationery and had it witnessed by two hotel guests. 
He left his estate of less than $1,000 to his sister, with whom he was living at the time. Unfortunately, I don't have any more biographical information about him or other anecdotes from his law enforcement career, so let's just listen to three by Patrolman Frank Quinn. Thank you. 
from Ireland and it's there I have me home. Sorry I am to tell you from there I had to roam. I came from very fine parents who love their patsy dear. And oft times by the fireside that whisper in my ear. Be kind unto your parents when their hair is turning gray. Remember in your childhood they nursed you with great care. They treated you so kindly and they rocked you in your chair. You'll never know their value till they're laid beneath the clay. I led a very fast life All was into trouble Into misery and strife My parents died and left me Which causes me to shed tears I only wish I had them back To whisper in my ear Be kind unto your parents For their hair is turning gray Remember in your childhood They nursed you with great care they treated you so kindly and they rocked you in your chair. You'll never know their value till they're laid beneath the clay. Was a few years later, I settled down in life. I turned a new leaf over and then took in a wife. I raised a very large family who loved their father dear. And oftentimes by the fireside, I'd whisper in their ears, Be kind unto your parents when their hair is turning gray. Remember in your childhood, they nursed you with great care. They treated you so kindly and they rocked you in your chair. You'll never know their value till they're laid beneath the clay. Frank Quinn is a happy boy from Ireland on that Green Label Foreign Series Columbia 78, number 33489-F. I don't have a recording date for that, probably in the mid-1920s, and the flip side started the set, The Wicklow Mountains High. Accompanying Frank Quinn on piano was Ed Geffigan, credited on the label as Ed Gagan. The Wicklow Mountains are primarily granite and occupy about 190 square miles in the center of County Wicklow on the east coast of Ireland. As for the Wicklow Mountains High, the highest peak in the range is Lugnaquilla at just over 3,000 feet, not exactly what we here in California would consider high. In between those two sides, we heard Vocalion 14280 from December of 1921, Patrolman Frank Quinn and the Cherry Blossom. The piano accompaniment was by John Muller, who is heard on lots of vintage recordings by piper Tom Ennis and fiddler James Morrison. 
Last week you heard Submarine Waltz, performed by Peterson's Hobo Orchestra, led by Helmar Peterson, and I said you'd be hearing more from him. He's getting his birthday segment early, because tomorrow, February 7th, will mark the birth in 1886, in Ronsetter Varmlands, Sweden, of Karl Hjalmar Peterson, to Johannes Peterson and Christina Karlsdotter. He came to the U.S. in 1906 and worked as a bricklayer before setting out on a career as a professional entertainer. In 1909, he returned to Sweden and toured for six months, gathering the songs, stories, and jokes he would use in his American act, where he adopted the stage name of Ali I. Skratholt. He performed in the Swedish vaudeville circuit, adopting a sort of tramp comic persona with which his fellow Scandinavian immigrants could identify. By 1916, he had a touring company of nine, and the following year married its leading lady, Olga Lindgren, with whom he had a son. During the 1920s and 30s, Peterson crisscrossed the U.S. with a large band and several actors, and even though he only performed in Swedish, was enthusiastically received by Swedish and non-Scandinavian audiences. Hjalmar and Olga divorced in 1933, and he later married Mora Grace Engelbretson, with whom he had a son and daughter. As the use of the Swedish language declined in the U.S., so did Peterson's popularity. He stopped touring, but was still heard on the radio, and in the 1940s was living in Marquette, Michigan, where he ran a tavern and dance hall. In the early 1950s, he became a gospel singer with the Salvation Army. Yalmar Peterson died June 24, 1960, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but his obituary was under the name of Ali I. Skratholt. Between 1916 and 1929, Peterson recorded 46 sides for Columbia and Victor, and the Hjalmar Peterson Orchestra made another 18 instrumental sides for Victor. Most of the labels showed both his real and stage names, and here are at least a couple of them. Ned som sola har gått ner, ta kalerik till klaver. Spelar upp med ett till en tinon ett, flinka lätt gammal grannfolk tätt. Ingen jenta kan stå still, alla pojkar dansar vill. Det blir smitka tag över glada lag, dans i en ljusam dag. Padri, adra, padri, padrej den glada stiv bland pepparna. Sök in tös i tepparna, kyssarna på läpparna. Padri, adra, padri, padrej allt över gröna ängarna. Över blomsterpengarna, folk kan gå fram till hej. Handelsman från Södervik, han som luktar kosmetik. Kanske alla dagar som stigan tar, girar far men går alltid klar. Och så sjöblomsam har varit tre år i Amerika. Varje ägg sin kos men färgårdsråd, blödig och krösa mot. Padri, adra, padri, padrej, den glada stig bland pepparna. För sin tös i tepparna, kyssarna på läpparna. Padri, adra, padri, padrej, allt över gröna ängarna. Över blomsterpengarna, folk kan gå fram till hej. Gamle skeppar Söderman, det var varsta han går an. Så han fänger och flår fast han fyllt i år. 70 år, ja så den är svår och så långt med sannat trött. Han är med och tar i skutt. 
Han är halt och sned men vad gör väl det? Nu kan man hoppa ner Faderi, adra, faderi, faderi Den glada stiblan skepparna För sin tös skepparna Kyssarna på läpparna Faderi, adra, faderi, faderi Allt över gröna ängarna Över blomsterpengarna Folk kan gå fram, tjo hej Vill du bli min hjärte vän Ska vi ta en sväng igen Får jag föra dig hela livet dig Tjotan hej vad jag älskar dig Jag ska köpa dig en ring Med diamanter runt omkring Och en härskatt hatt med en blomsterabatt Min lilla hjärteskatt Faderi, adara, faderi, faderi Den glada stivlan skepparna Hög sin tös skepparna Kyssarna på läpparna Faderi, adara, faderi, faderi Allt över gröna ängarna Över blomsterpengarna Folk kan gå fram, tjo hej
Sally I. Scratholt, comedian with orchestra, with his most popular recording, Nicolina. He recorded it three times, the first in 1917 for Columbia, and again in 1923 for Victor, but we heard it on Bluebird B-2733, recorded in 1929. The author is anonymous, but the story of a couple whose desire for romantic happiness is thwarted by her autocratic father struck a chord with Scandinavian immigrants, and between the three issues, it's estimated to have sold more than 100,000 copies. Before that, Polk and Gar, recorded by Victor in Chicago on November 7, 1929. Ali I. Scratholt provided the vocal, accompanied by Arvid Fransen on accordion, H. Swanson on violin, and H. Yallen at the keyboard. I'm Glenn Robinson, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. <laughs>